Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast and I'm your host, Chris Panetta. We are in studio, downtown Salem, Oregon. Happy to be here today. No matter who you are, where you're from, we're just glad that you're tuning in, that you're joining. We have a lot of listeners of a lot of different background, backgrounds and I know that the name of our show is the Rooted Leadership Podcast, but we don't just speak to leaders. So leaders and non-leaders alike uh, have found value in some of the things that we have conversations about. And so no matter you know where you come from or what it is that you do, there's a little something for everyone in our topics. We have an array of, pres- of I almost said presenters, but we have an array of guests on our show um, with you know, diverse backgrounds, and we try to learn as much as we can about them. You know, one of the goals of being an institute is we really want to be an institute of knowledge. And something that keeps us humble is we understand that we are not uh, experts <laughs> in in uh, in leadership. You know, there's so much to learn about leadership, and if we believed that we were the experts and tried to say that we know it all, then we would be doing a disservice to our community. So it was important to us that we learn as much as we can from leaders in our community and outside of our community. So it was a no-brainer to start this this show. And we, again, like I said, we dive into so many different topics uh, that there's so much to take away, no matter who we are and where we're from or what we do. A little bit more info about our institute. I like to express this so people know any any new listeners, you, you you get a feel for for why it is that we're doing what we're doing. But we started an institute here a couple of years ago, and the goal was to raise the tide of leadership in our community now and for many years to come. We we don't plan on going anywhere, and we 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 have aspirations of our institute expanding and growing and and really becoming a uh, world class um, operation when it comes to helping leaders grow and and then helping them go back into their communities and organizations to make a difference because if that isn't happening then then we have no other motive to do this um, we're not a business we're not trying to make money this is purely philanthropic um, and non-for-profit uh, we just we care about our community and and, and we want to support our leaders uh, because they're the ones that that can really instigate and make change so one of the leaders that we have on today he's actually a local leader uh, like I said we have a mix of of guests from local guests to guests outside um, of, of our community. And today our guest is Jesse Lippold. So before I get him on, as well as our co-host Salam Noor, uh, let me give you a brief introduction of who Jesse is on paper. And obviously I'll allow him to expound on on who he is when, when he joins. Okay. But day to day, kind of by day, his work uh, that he does to, to make a living is he's a licensed real estate broker in our community. Uh, but he is involved in so many other things outside of his work uh, that are that he's not paid for, right? And which speaks to the type of person that he is and who he's trying to become. So let me just read some of these things that he's involved with right now. Uh, the big one is he's on our school board now. The Salem Kaiser School District is one of the largest in the state, second second largest after Portland. So we have around I think forty three thousand students, something like that. So it's no small job to be on the school board. Um, he was the former vice chairman, but he is the the school board uh, director over Zone Five. Um, he is also the director of the board of directors for the Oregon School Boards of Associ- Boards Association. 
Um, and he's been doing that just since the beginning of this year. Um, and I'm sure that he'll grow a lot in that experience and do great. He's also a Pacific Regional Director for the American Indian and Alaskan Native American Caucus for the NSBA. Um, and I know that he, some of his heritage and his background is, is Native American. And so he's very proud of that. And I hope that he speaks to that a little bit because I love that, that part about him. Um, but there's a lot to love about Jesse. He is uh, just a great person and he's truly striving to, to, to become a, a great leader here. And he's got a long years ahead of him, just like myself. And I love when I meet people like Jesse, because we'll be around for a while here in our community. And it's just fun to, to see others that um, are trying to be a positive influence and leave a positive impact in the world. And that's certainly Jesse. So stay tuned. I will get him on a Zoom call as well as Salam. Thanks for tuning in to the Rooted Leadership Podcast. Before our guest joins, you can catch more episodes, leadership tips, and community stories by following us on Facebook at Groundwork Leadership, on Twitter at Groundwork Salem, or on our website at groundworkleadership.org. All right. Welcome, uh, Jesse and Salam. Thanks for joining. I know we're on Zoom. We have been for a while, but it's still good to see your faces. Yeah, good to see you, Chris. Good to see you too, Jesse. Oh yeah, you too, Salam. You look good as ever. <laughs> Salam always looks good. <laughs> I think you're talking about Chris, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks he looks okay, but Salam, you're you're really taking cake today. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> well, um, glad both of you are here. Our listeners know Salam really well by now, and Jesse, I gave you know, everyone an introduction to who you are on paper and all the wonderful things that you're involved with from your day, day-to-day day work as a, you know, real estate broker, but, you know, the different different uh, service roles that you have from school board, um, you know, to uh, regional director with, you know, Native American tribes to, to some of the things you do for Oregon School Board Association. So, um, go ahead and add to that and however you would like and, you know, add to, to who you are and and take it from take it from there. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, on paper, you know, it looks like a bunch of fancy titles that and a lot of acronyms. <laughs> but uh, really, what I tell people, you know, when they ask me what I do, I just say I do relationships, um, and then I just so happen to do other things. Like I have friends who need to live in a house, and I just so happen to be a real estate broker, so I help. Or I have friends who want their schools to be better. You know, uh, and so where they have a concern or something of that sort. And so um, because I serve in that role, I help them with that. Um, you know, so it really just my main thing is relationships and then everything else um, is just me helping out uh, people. And then, you know, beyond that, you know, I have huge family. <laughs> it's so uh, I'm really blessed. Um, I'm a brother to 12 siblings, a son to two sets of parents. and. Uh, uh, I just, I love, I love the, our community. And so, you know, I just, the relationships that we built here, I think is, uh, is really more for who I am, you know? Yeah. Um, I definitely want to come back to, to this idea of relationships, you know, maybe later on in, in the, in the episode, um, because there's a, there's a dynamic of, you know, um, having a, a big responsibility and there's a lot of people, but we can't possibly have a, 
you know, a personal magnificent relationship with everyone. So there's this balance that we have to find. So I'm really interested in, in diving into that perhaps a little later, but, you know, as you explain your, your dynamics and your, and your family, um, and, you know, I've, I've heard you share some of your story before, but, uh, I'm sure there's some folks that are curious, uh, to siblings, a couple sets of parents. Um, I mean, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about how you have gotten to where, where you're at now and, and a little bit of your, your life journey. Uh, well, that would take a while, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to be short. Um, honestly, it's kind of crazy. You know, I look back at my life and it seems like, um, I never thought I would be anywhere close to where I am today. Like I never, I, when I was a kid, I literally, I was told I would be homeless and living in a box when I got older. And I genuinely believed it. Uh, and actually for a while that was true. <laughs> and so, um, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm really blessed. I think every day is a gift, you know, everything that we have. And, um, yeah. Um, you know, it didn't start off as great. I think a lot of people in town, um, you know, just see who I am today and assume that's always who, was, who I've been. <laughs> and we have a habit of doing that to each other, you know, mm-hmm. uh, before you get to know somebody. Um, and, uh, you know, that's been, you know, years of me building a, a hard shell on my outside, you know, cause I want to be seen as, I always wanted to be seen as strong, you know, or seen as successful. Um, and I wanted people to see me that way. So that I tried really hard to portray that image, um, when I was younger and, um, what I've realized this last year with the ground work leadership thing and having Jason, uh, Tukarski as, uh, as my mentor, uh, and just through the, the rooted leadership, uh, you know, program is the, the, my biggest takeaway from that is, uh, the ability to be vulnerable and viewing that as a strength. And we can talk about that later, but, um, a part of that is being willing to break, share with who I am. And it's, it's kind of hard for me to be completely honest with you. Um, yeah. So here we go. I sure just, um, I was born, uh, Salem, Salem area. Um, I'm native American, uh, I've to with the confederated tribes of grand Ronde. Um, don't like to say member cause that sounds like a gym membership, but I'm a citizen of the confederated tribes of grand Ronde. And, uh, you know, I was born, my dad was 16. My mom was 18. Uh, both addicted to drugs, uh, their parents addicted to drugs. My parents before that addicted to drugs. It's been generational, um, just due to the, a lot of the hardships the tribes have gone through. And, uh, so I, I got put into foster care along with my siblings and, uh, I bounced around to a lot of homes. Uh, the first memories of my life are just, uh, I don't like to talk about them, <laughs> but, uh, there's a lot of abuse and, uh, things that, you know, they leave pretty deep scars in you, you know, and, uh, eventually I got adopted and that's something I don't share with a lot of people. Um, just because that was also kind of painful and it's hard to understand unless you know me. <laughs> uh, but I was adopted actually when I was four, um, by a family. And then, um, they changed my name actually from my birth name at birth was Jesse Pion. Uh, and then it was changed to Peter Olson. Um, you know, which, led to a lifetime of identity issues until, uh, just a couple years ago, you know, trying to figure out who am I, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to find, get back to who I am instead of who, uh, people wanted me to be. And, uh, you know, that family, when I was a freshman in high school, uh, they prepaid for an apartment for a couple months. Um, uh, 
well, for me and one of my sisters uh, that drove off. Uh, and I, have, I haven't seen him since. And it's been hard, you know, because I don't want to talk bad about him or, you know, give anybody an answer or anything because I think they're good people. Uh, good people sometimes do bad things, you know, and um, God loves them. If God loves them, I, I love them, you know, and uh, I know I, I bounced around a lot. And so I was, I was off and on homeless. And uh, my birth dad uh, reached out to me when I was about, um, when after, you know, they basically, when they dropped me and my sister off, uh, I had a mattress on the floor and they threw a math, an old math book at me and told me to educate myself and, uh, for homeschool. And at that point, I never saw, um, I didn't see a future. Like, I didn't know what to think or how to feel. All I knew was I was told, I was told growing up that, uh, that, you know, that I'd end up be living in a box. And, um, and while there was, you know, there's some good stuff too, you know, there, I mean, there, it wasn't all bad. You know, they taught me how to speak, uh, you know, when I didn't, I didn't know that they taught me how to, uh, they taught me a lot, you know, <laughs> to the point where I could have skipped a grade, you know, so educational wise, uh, while I lived with them when I was a kid, there was a lot of, there was some good stuff too, but there was also, um, a lot of things that, um, uh, leave some pretty deep scars, yeah. uh, not just on me, but on my siblings too. And that's, uh, you know, that's one of the big things that drives me, you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't have my sister living in a place like that. So I, I had to get us out of there. <laughs> You know, it, uh, it was tough. Um, but, you know, my birthday reached out to me uh, after we were living there. Uh, I forgot we got a hold of each other. I think it was Facebook or something. Uh, but he got out of prison uh, just a year or two before. Um, you know, and he was in prison his whole life. <laughs> you know, it's an entire life in the criminal justice system. Um, and so he didn't know how to be a dad, and I didn't know how to be a kid. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we fought all the time. I, I blamed him. I blamed my grandpa. I blamed my tribe. I blamed everybody around me, you know, because, uh, but, but mostly, you know, I blame myself, you know, because I've always felt like, I've always felt like I, sh I should have done more to, you know, to protect my siblings better. And, uh, you know, part of me always wonders, you know, was it my fault? You know, could I have been a better kid? Uh, it's so, like, well, I try to tell myself uh, you know, that I was just a kid, <laughs> you know, that, that thought's always there, you know, and it's, it's something that's hard to come to terms with, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, while I was living with my dad, you know, I bounced around. I didn't just stay with him. <laughs> I'd go, you know, I was couch surfing and, uh, for a friend's house. Cause I would have to come up to Salem every two weeks and I didn't go to school like ever. Uh, so I failed almost every class. <laughs> and then, um, uh, not to mention I was far behind in credits because I was taken out of school my freshman year. Uh, and, um, I was in a bad place. I mean, I was smoking, I was drinking all the time, borderline alcoholic. <laughs> and, uh, I probably was one actually. I just never, um, uh, you know, but then I was, I was fortunate enough that Walmart phone, uh, uh, one of my friends reached out to me, uh, one day and he was like, Hey Jesse, you want to come stay the night at my house? Uh, and we've been friends since like first grade. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it was, you know, roof over my head and me and my dad would fight a lot. And, um, I don't know. I, I didn't, I wasn't used to having a stable place. And so I didn't, you know, even my dad would let me, I, I, I kept, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And so I just wandered around and, uh, 
but some of my friend offered me to come stay a couple of nights. I was like, Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so I went and stayed with him and, uh, while we were there, he was like, <laughs> he was like well, you gotta hang out with my parents <laughs> or you can come with me to this youth group thing. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and, uh, so I went to this youth group thing and that's when I heard about Jesus for the first time. And, uh, uh, we're talking about sin and, uh, what that looks like and what it means. Uh, and they showed me, a you know, a different life I could live. And it was crazy. I mean, that, that night was probably one of the scariest of my life. Like, of everything we went through, I was sitting there. Here I am, like, thinking I'm too cool for school. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, like, with my friends. Like, um, uh, like, I think I'm just big cheese, you know? <laughs> I thought it was awesome. It was, so we're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, talking about the stuff, and it starts to hit me. Uh, but I told myself, no, I'm not going up there. You know, I was like, there's no way. Because uh, at the end, they were like, well, if you've, you know, if you're – interested in learning more about Jesus or if you never had a relationship, you know, come up and I was like, uh, no way. <laughs> uh, and like, that's what I was saying in my head. But then like my heart started pumping really fast. Uh, and it was the weirdest thing. It was like, so I felt like my body got up and went up there, but like my mind was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, and I go up there and I'm the only one up there and I just start, I start crying. Cause I'm just, here I am. Just, I realized that like I had, even if I was, you know, to, I never felt like I was worthy. You know, I didn't have anything to give, but then, you know, I, I look back to the back of the room and it's this big stadium. There's hundreds of people in here, you know, one by one, my friends got up and came and joined me up there. Uh, and then, uh, on our way out, <laughs> this little redhead lady comes up to me and she says, oh, you're going to camp. <laughs> I was like, you're crazy. Uh, so I went back to Eugene, you know, I kept living my life as, as I did. Um, for a couple of weeks, but I started getting text messages from this lady. Uh, she said, Hey, your friends are raised this much money for you for camp. Um, and then, uh, I kept she basically borderline harassment, honestly, <laughs> but, uh, you know, my friends were raising money for me to go to a place where I had three squirrels meals a day, a roof over my head. And, you know, I wasn't fighting with, you know, my dad, I wasn't doing parties and partying or doing drugs. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, I was like, it would be stupid of me not to go. Uh, so I went and while we we're there, you know, she comes up to me on the bus. She's like, Oh, you're going to move in with me. I was like, you're crazy. I literally thought this lady was crazy. Uh, and then the guy cabin leader was her husband. Um, and we got to know each other a little bit during camp. Uh, and then at the end of camp, he was like, Oh, Hey, why don't you come stay with us tonight? Uh, and tell us, and then just try it out. He's like, worst case scenario, you don't. Um, so I, I stayed with them, uh, for a night and, uh, long story short, uh, those are my parents now. <laughs> uh, you know, I moved different them, got enrolled in school, um, changed my name back to Jesse officially. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, living with them for a while. Um, but here's where things get, they took a slight turn for a minute because I didn't know how to deal with this. Like I was like in school, like I, I had pretty bad PTSD, especially cause I wasn't drinking or doing any of the things I used to, to numb, to numb myself. Uh, I would get like flashbacks and stuff like in, in school and uh, I didn't know how to deal with it. <laughs> and I didn't know it was weird to me. I never had something so stable, you know, or um, I don't, I don't know what came over me. And I just, I just left. Uh, I moved to Portland uh, and I was homeless there uh, off and on for about a year, uh, more like nine months. And I moved in with one of my friends up there. Um, uh, but then, you know, I came back, uh, I moved back, uh, I finished school, 
and then, um, you know, work my butt off, go to college. Uh, but then, you know, I, I, I was looking at our systems the whole time. And, um, I think back to my life, you know, how many times could somebody have intervened to save me or my sisters, you know, or any of our peers, any of the other people within foster care, you know, how many more kids have to get abused before we finally start to look at our systems and fix it. Um, you know, how many kids have to go through our school system and, uh, you know, basically push through when like, it's, it's like, we're trying to fit like a, uh, like a unique shape peg, you know, into a square hole at a single time and force people to be something we want them to be, you know, instead of letting them be themselves. And, um, I just, I just thought we could do better. And so, uh, it was actually, I'll tell you about this some other time, but, uh, uh, it was actually when I was homeless in Portland, when I decided that I was gonna, I was gonna try and make a difference. And, uh, now I ended up running for school board and, uh, people elected me on and, you know, I've been serving since. Yeah. Here you Sorry. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, thanks for, you know, sharing all of that. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, each of us have a, sometimes I like to call, uh, you know, secret history in our life. And, um, some of us share it. Um, and are open about it and, and others not, but you know, there's a, there's a power in, in understanding and seeing the secret history of others. Um, because it, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Henry Longfellow is that if we could see the secret history of even our greatest enemy, we would, you know, disarm, we would see in them enough to disarm all of our hostility towards them. And that's with our greatest enemies, right? let alone the people that are not our enemies that we are with, associate with every day. You know, there's a, there's a facade that we can put on. Like you mentioned in the beginning is you want it to be seen a certain way. You want it to be seen as, as strong. Um, and I think all of us are, are that way in, 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 in life. Uh, we want to be seen in a certain way. We want a certain perception of ourselves and it's not always the authentic self of, of who we, who we really are. Right. And, uh, it can cause a lot of challenges in, in our life. And especially if we're in, in leadership and that's our, if that's how we lead is, is being someone that we're really not. So, uh, all this yeah. to say is that, you know, what you're sharing, although there's no other story like it, um, we all, you know, have scars, like you said, small, some small, some large, um, and being able to have those things influence, you know, how we lead and then how we see other people um, and and how we care um, about the roles that we've been given and the responsibility that we have, I think, makes a, um, you know, a huge difference and can be the difference between, um, you know, transformation um, for relationships and, and in our leadership. So, uh, appreciate you sharing um, those things and and uh, uh, you know taking taking a risk and, and being vulnerable. It's never easy to to share some of the pain. Yeah. Um, but one of my you know one of my favorite uh, mentors I've ever had. Uh, and I'm I'm a I'm a storyteller. I like to think I'm a storyteller. I'm always learning more about stories. But I like to share stories. You know, I teach a couple courses on storytelling, and I try to use stories and how I do my, my work and my practice, but, uh, I didn't always like stories and I didn't always like sharing stories, but I fell in love with it through a leader I had once who shared, shared phenomenal stories. And, uh, 
and I wanted to learn from him. And one time he told me, especially with the hard stories, you know, stories like what you're sharing, the stories that, you know, have allow us and people to have a peek into our secret history, right? Not in a, here's a feel bad for me sort of a way, but the, the, the way that allows people to, to see us and connect. Anyways, he shared with me that we have to be willing to go, and this is as a storyteller. He said, as a storyteller, we have to be willing to go to those places, you know, mentally and emotionally so that we can help other people get there as well. And so we, we relive some of those feelings, right? And it's hard, to, it's hard to not relive some of those feelings when we tell those stories, but it allows other people to, to see themselves a little bit in, in what you say. So uh, just I appreciate you sharing those things and, and, and being open um, to that. Um, Salam, I, I, I can see that you, you want to respond. I don't want to, I've just been blab babbling. So I want to go ahead. No, I, I, I appreciate that. And, um, I, I agree. Sometimes we really have to tell our story because that's how we, in, in my opinion, enlighten people's lives because they may have, there are many others that have stories like yours, Jesse, and just having the opportunity to hear your story uh, is very validating um, in for them, and it's actually liberating to know that they're not alone. To know, most importantly, that you can work through this adversity because you have actually lived through this tremendous adversity. And one of the principles we talked about in groundwork, in groundwork, our our rooted leadership uh, framework, as you may recall, is using your suffering well the principle of using your suffering well. And I just love that phrase. I love the concept. And you've used yours uh, phenomenally well in terms of discovering who you are, in terms of understanding who you are, who you are, and most importantly, what you want to be. And you want it to be a person that has impact. So I, I really admire you for sharing your story because it helps us um, humanize and internalize our own challenges and our own stories and struggles. And I think it shows us, it shows us a way out that you can, you can suffer through all of this adversity and all of these challenges, and you have the option of having it make you a better person. And you didn't really let, let all of these challenges stand in your way. And, uh, and I, uh, like Chris said, I really appreciate your story and I'm looking forward to talking about today and the future, because um, this becomes a lens for you to to reflect on yourself in the past, the present, and towards the future as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to continuing our conversation and learning more about you. Yeah, totally. And I did want to clarify also during the time period of you know uh, me moving in with this other family. You know, my birth dad. I'm so proud of him. I mean, we've really turned around uh, our entire family and our entire bloodline. Um, you know, my dad actually went, uh, so here he's coming out of prison, starting his life at the age of 32, you know, uh, went and got custody of every single kid, um, is married, hasn't been out of jail for over 10 years now, you know, and lived just the most honest man that I know. Uh, and so I'm really, I just want to say, I'm really proud of him and, um, you know, being able to see our family turn around like that, I think is really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. Uh, I just want to highlight one thing Salam said, you know, about using our suffering well, which I think is really a a key moment in our in our leadership framework when we're actually going through the curriculum. But um, 
you know, part of it. And I think you mentioned this before you started sharing is, you know, being, being vulnerable and being willing to break open, right? Cause there's a difference between breaking, you know, the suffering that we experience in our lives can certainly break us, um, or it can break us open. And, uh, I think that you're being an example of allowing it to break, uh, you open, um, and not allowing it to be a source of bitterness or anger, but of understanding and of, uh, you know, of hope and, and betterment for the, for the future. So it's, um, you know, it's inspiring to hear those things. So just one last time, thanks for, thanks for sharing. I know that there's a lot of nuggets, uh, in there. And like you said, the, the story could take, we could take hours just, you know, talking about it and, and learning that you've had, and I don't want to force you to, to relive any, anything else, uh, cause you've already shared so much. Um, and you know, there's plenty of positive takeaways that you've had, um, in your journey that, that, um, you know, we want to tap into. Um, and one of which is, is the growth that, uh, that you've experienced, um, over your life, but how, how it's impacted your, your leadership. You know, you spoke a little bit to what kind of inspired you to want to get into public service, you know, running for the board Mm -hmm. and, and so on. But, what have you learned in your journey there? Because I know you're one of the first to say that when you were first doing all that, you were you were quite young, right? Um, when you ran for school board, um, and uh, and a lot of a lot of people your age aren't doing stuff like that, and so you've learned quite a bit, and that's valuable. Those are valuable life lessons, and so I'm curious on how you would answer what you've learned um, in your leadership. And what sort of leader you want to become? Because one thing that excites me, and I said this in the intro, is you know I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not super old, right? I'm not super young, right? Either, but I'm I have a lot of years ahead of me, and and so I love when I meet other young people because it means that hey, we're going to be at this together for a long time. Um, and and so, what kind of leader do you want to become? So, twofold question: What have you learned in your leadership, and what sort of leader do you want to become? in the years ahead of you. Oh, thank you, Chris. And honestly, yeah, I was super stoked when I met you. So, oh man, love this guy. I love when you, you know, meeting other people, you know, in our generation that are already on the path of, you know, making the world a better place. Um, uh, but as far as, you know, what I've learned and what kind of leader I want to become, it kind of starts from, you know, what, what drives me, um, you know, and a lot of it's, you know, I, I flew over like a 30,000 foot view of <laughs> some things that happened and even left out some stuff. But, um, uh, there was a time when I was, um, um, when I, when I was, when I was homeless, I was in Portland. I, I was sleeping in this, uh, in this elevator. Actually, it was during the ice, it was during one of our super bad ice storms. And, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Buffalo Wild Wings downtown mm-hmm. near Pioneer Place. So that, that parking garage, I, it wasn't the elevator right next to Buffalo Wild Wings. It was the one one over. Um, so I, I slept in there because well, one, I didn't want people to think I was homeless. Uh, cause I, I knew I, like, I knew I was better than that. Uh, I was like, I, I can, I know I just knew I could do more. And, uh, uh, that's a different <laughs> thing in general, but uh, so I was, I was sleeping in this elevator cause I thought it would be a little bit warmer <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't want people to think I was, which now looking back, it was pretty clear that they knew, <laughs> but in my head at the time, it made sense. Uh, and I, I was sitting this one night and I was, and every night, like people would come into the elevator and they'd go up to their cars. Right. And so, um, 
sometimes I would just sit in the corner and people would just ignore me and they, uh, you know, they'd go up to their car. Uh, those nights were, those were probably the hardest actually, because you're just sitting here, uh, you know, people pretend like you don't exist, you know, so you feel like you're less than human. Uh, that was hard. Uh, but then it was also, uh, you know, the times that, you know, I would get out if there was either a big family, you know, or, uh, people were super fancy because I didn't want to, you know, treat on them or whatever. And, uh, so I'd see these people in like suits go up. <laughs> I would call them suit people in my head. They were like a mannequin with like a suit. I didn't, I didn't view them as really a person, just like how they didn't view me as a person, honestly, because it's just two different worlds at the time. And, uh, I would always think about well, what is their life like when they go home? You know, like, uh, any, every person who went, who went there, you know, uh, who went up this elevator, I would think about when they go up to the elevator and they get in their car and they go home, what do they go home to? Um, what were they doing in town? And I would just sit there and imagine what they would do. Um, and then I thought to myself, uh, you know, what's the difference between me and them? Like, what makes us so different? Um, and then I realized that there, there really isn't, <laughs> there is, there really isn't much of a difference. Uh, and, uh, this one day I decided that, you know, I would, I would try my best. I mean, what did I have to lose? <laughs> you know? Uh, so I'm sitting there and I just decided I'm going to try my best to, uh, you know, to make it whatever that is, you know, and, um, to do what I can to help, uh, to come back and save all, you know, the people who, uh, have experienced homelessness or foster care, uh, and all those things. So that's, that's my that's what drives me. That's my, that's my end goal, you know? And so, uh, as I'm moving forward, that's the lens that I look through is the lens of how can I change our systems to better help? Uh, cause I don't, I don't think any kid should have to go through homelessness or foster care. Um, and what can I do to make our systems better? Uh, so kids don't have to go through things like that, you know? And so the things that I've learned, right. Um, I mean, all sorts of lessons, but serving in my role, what I've learned is the impact of, policy has on people like that. So I started off just on the school board and I got elected uh, because I ran because I wanted to make a difference for kids uh, who have gone through foster care, gone through homelessness, you know, Native American kids, kids who don't have someone fighting for them in their corner, you know? Uh, and then I realized in that role that, that I could serve more people by doing other things. And so I was asked to take other positions or other ones came up and, um, my goal is basically change the system. It's really hard to do. <laughs> and so what I've learned is, uh, uh, relationships, I think is the key to that. Um, and so I've tried really hard to build those relationships with people. So that way we can work on things together and truly, uh, let the public know what's going on, uh, as we're moving forward. And then what was the second question? What kind of leader do you, you know, with the years ahead of you, what kind of leader do you want to, to become? Well, I want to be a leader that serves people. Um, I don't want to be, I actually don't have political aspirations. <laughs> School board's going to be the beginning and the end of my political career, hopefully. Um, I mean, if the people really wanted me to, and if I felt like God was calling me to do that, I would do it. I just don't want to. <laughs> so uh, I'd rather, you know, convince my really good friends who are good people to do it. And then I can go, my, my goal is to go into the private sector uh, and the nonprofit sector and make a difference there. Uh, and the kind of leader I want to be is someone who walks the walk. That's something I've always 
um, I've always thought of because whether I was in foster care or when I was homeless and you see all these people talking about, uh, you know, they go hand out a couple sandwiches and make a Facebook video about it um, to pat themselves on the back when in reality, it doesn't really have that big of an effect or I'm just hungry again a couple hours later. But my goal is to, you know, truly take action instead of just talking about things. And so that's the kind of leader I want to be. I want to be someone who can show, not just take action myself and do it, but then set up systems in place and teach other people about what we can do to um, serve all people. Long story short, I want to serve uh, people who need it, you know, fight for the little guy. Yeah. Jesse, I'm fascinated with, uh, you know, what you said, being a leader that walks the walk, because I think that you're uh, unique, you know, in that you've walked um, in in the shoes and a path that not a lot of people, I would say, you know, walk. Um, and so for someone like you to walk the walk means a lot more um, to you than maybe it would to, to somebody else um, because they didn't have to walk that path of, of maybe deep scars or pain. Um, and I, I, first of all, I loved the elevator story. Right. Um, and, and I get a little emotional, man, because I've, I've never had to stay a night in an elevator. (laughs) Right. And, uh, I can't imagine what that is like. Um, and the, the, the maturity that you have to reflect in that moment, um, while you're sitting in an elevator, seeing all these different people walk by you, there's, you know, a couple levels of maturity. One is that you now see that you saw those people as objects, right? Like perhaps they were seeing you as objects and to then get out in front of that and to understand that, what do these people go home to? What sort of lives do they live? Um, and, and understanding that you at that beneath all of that, that we're all the same, um, and that we're all people. That's a that's a certain level of of maturity that uh, a lot of people don't don't have, let alone when we're sleeping in an elevator. So I I love I I love that story, and I appreciate you you sharing that. And I also love that that's the catalyst of what motivates you. But back to this walk the walk. The reason why I think walk the walk means more to you is because you walked that walk, right? You walked a walk that a lot of people don't have to ever walk, and. And so, therefore, that meaning behind walk the walk has holds weight. So, what would you say to um, other leaders, perhaps myself, who hasn't had to sleep in a, in an elevator? Um, because I want to walk the walk, Jesse. Right? I want to be a good leader, and I want to be a leader that takes action. Um, but I've never had to have those 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 life experiences that as you're talking sound painful, but they all, you also talk about them like they've provided value and who you are and who you are and how, and who you've become. And I can feel that, right. I can feel the bright sadness, if you will, like we talk about in leadership Institute, right. There's a, there's a bright sadness when we use our suffering well. And I can feel that when you talk, when you share those stories. So what would you say to a leader that, that, that wants to walk the walk, but hasn't lived that that you know hasn't hasn't actually had to do it um, um, in those ways. How can they walk the walk? How can they walk the walk and make a difference in people's lives that they maybe don't fully understand? I mean, I think that. Um, well, thank you, also, Chris. Um, but I don't, I don't think you have to in order to walk the walk. Um, in fact, sometimes <laughs> you know I always feel 
uh, I suffer from a bit of imposter syndrome, you know, a lot of times because I'll be in rooms of, you know, fancy schmancy people. And I always feel like I'm <laughs> like, I don't belong. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, but I think that the most important thing is, you know, something I, I need to, I always been trying to work on too, is, uh, one of my mentors told me that, uh, you know, you got to try to listen twice as much as you speak. <laughs> and so, uh, that's something that I always, I always try to do. In fact, I actually found myself one time, uh, oh man, that's a rough one. <laughs> uh, there was this time when a couple years ago, um, it was, you know, I was already elected onto the school board. I served in some of these other roles with fancy schmancy titles and, um, I was doing pretty well financially. And, um, you know, I was walking downtown in Salem and I've always made it a point to see, you know, our homeless people as people, because I, that's me, you know, I, I, I know how they're feeling and I I feel that there was, but there was this one time when I was downtown, uh, and I was walking by this homeless guy and I just walked by him, just you know, blew him off. And I caught myself in the act right afterwards. And then I just, uh, um, I just went into tears afterwards because I realized what I just did, you know, and I realized, uh, how I felt when that happened to me, you know? And so, um, you know, that's an example, you know, of me not walking the walk in that moment. Uh, and so what I did, you know, of course, afterwards, you know, when you catch yourself in those times, cause we all do it, everyone's going to do it. Um, you know, is I actually, I took pretty extreme action. <laughs> I sold a lot of my stuff. I got rid of all of my suits, but two of them. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I now I have like almost nothing in my bedroom. If you look at my house, I have like almost zero decorations because I try to keep myself. Uh, I mean, you don't have to do this. <laughs> That's a little extreme, I think maybe, but, uh, I try to put myself in a position to where I don't get distracted by shiny objects, you know, um, that way I can stay rooted to my faith, rooted to, um, the people who I resonate the best with. Um, and so part of that, is, you know, I, I, I just build the relationships with them even before COVID, you know, uh, um, a little reluctant to share it just cause I don't like to, uh, you know, you don't want to do the Carnegie giving where you're like, you're giving just to like have people see that you're giving so that way you can promote your brand. Oh, I hate that. Um, uh, but like during lunch sometimes, like I, cause I go to Willamette. So like I'll go to Willamette and then I'll walk downtown and grab subway and, you know, I'll get a foot long and share half of it with somebody and I'll just sit there and talk to them. Um, and you know, I just get to know. So, uh, you know, that relationship, uh, you know, it comes back to relationships, you know, can we build relationships with the people that we're trying to help? You know, you, uh, I want to give Salam a, ch- a chance to respond cause I've been talking a lot, uh, but I'm just intrigued with some of these stories. So just a thought, and then I know Salam probably has some some thoughts or questions, but, you know, I, I asked you, what does it take to walk the walk, you know, if for someone like me, and, and you answered, um, listen twice as much as you speak. And I think that's more than an actionable item. I think that's a mentality that we live, where we live life in a deeper, deeper, more meaningful way, where we're constantly seeing and thinking of others. And then you shared this story where you, you know, you said you didn't walk the walk, but, you know that story that you shared of where you walked past this individual, um, but then later realized what you had done and it kind of broke you down into tears because you've been that person before. That that process is walking the walk, right? And that's something that all of us can do to walk the walk better is how often do we walk by 
uh, a homeless individual and not even think twice about it? Does it even cause us to question ourselves at the end of the day that we didn't even give that person a a time of day who's clearly in need, right? A little different than walking past somebody who is not in apparent need uh, on the side of the road, right? We should see those people as people as well, but it's different when there's somebody that's in an apparent need. Do we just see them as a person that's in an apparent need or do we actually see them? Because I think walking the walk is that we, we realize that we might do this and not just the extremes of somebody that has lost everything, but in our workplace. How often do we walk past somebody in the workplace and not fully recognize their humanity at home? How often do we walk by somebody at home, right, with my my kids, my 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 daughter, and not fully think about their humanity, right? Because walking the walk for me, you know, with you sharing this story, walking the walk is just me being able to admit that I do those things and then working to be better. Do I feel bad about it, right? Do I feel a little bit of remorse? And then do I follow up with action? Next time, do I go and get a subway and split it? Next time, do I make sure I take the time? To me, that's that's walking the walk. So even when you shared that story of a time when you felt you didn't walk the walk, in the story, you shared a story of some high level of accountability as a person to to realize what you have done and allow it to change you, right? You allowed it to change you even more. Um, and I think that we miss out on those opportunities as people and especially as leaders to allow the humanity of others to, to change us, to allow us to be, become better versions of ourselves. Um, and so now that we've, I've been thinking about this over the last few minutes, you know, that's walking the walk and that puts it into tangible, makes it tangible for me that I can walk the walk because I make those same mistakes every day, not noticing people physically and metaphorically, right? Speaking, but I can start to walk the walk by getting out in front of it and doing something about it. Um, yeah. But also ties into, you know, listening more than you speak because, you know, that's the action of me, like walking by and blowing off is me thinking that I'm just, I've got to figure it out, you know, instead of being willing to, cause usually they talk to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so instead of being willing to listen to them, being willing to sit down and listen, I think it is important. Yeah. And you nail it on. It goes back to what you said, you know, at the beginning of, of, uh, that, you know, a lot of times we make judgments on people by our initial, you know, impression or how they are right now, but we don't see their secret history, nor do we bother to even try to understand it. Um, and so we miss an opportunity, right? And I think that uh, that impacts our influence on other people um, in in bigger ways than we can maybe imagine. Sorry, Salam, go ahead. No, no, absolutely. I think this is really a, a good segue with the question that I have for Jesse. <clears throat> But first of all, I really admire your optimism. Uh, you have spoken uh, eloquently and positively of every individual and in every situation, no matter how adversely it affected you uh, at the time and how harsh it may have been at the time. What I'm curious about is, is going back to this notion of using your suffering well, is that you've channeled that into a really positive avenue. You've decided you want to make a difference. You want to make a difference in the lives of kids that are living your life, uh, that have gone through similar experiences. And most importantly, you wanted to uh, affect that through policy that would prevent these things from happening. And you engaged in a, in a public uh, role in public life at a very young age. And I commend you and I admire you for that. So the question that I have is for young people, um, and, and I think I have kids probably your age, 
um, for young people that seem to be disillusioned, perhaps, or even discouraged to participate in, in a public role or in or to engage in, in really key you know, political issues or publicly facing issues simply because they feel powerless. They feel like they just can't affect them in any way. Um, talk a little bit about the importance of your perspective, not just through the experience that you that you went through, but but your age and and the the youthfulness of that perspective and and why it's important. No, that's a really good question, Salam. And actually, that was something when I first got elected um, that, uh, you know, I struggled with because in the, uh, for a couple of reasons. Right. One, because I was you know, the youngest school board member in the state, <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm the only Native American to ever be on the board for Salem Kaiser. Uh, and so I'm sitting there and like in rooms with a bunch of people who have a lot more life experience, a lot more resume experience than me. And, you know, again, you know, there were times when I felt like I didn't belong there, you know, <laughs> like why did the public choose me for this role? And um, uh, one thing that, you know, really helped me grow uh, to be effective in my role was to see the importance of, um, of me being in the position that I am at the age that I am being who I am, <laughs> you know, uh, a good example of that is, uh, I was in a board meeting once and during the board meetings, I always try to go talk to the kids because when a student comes to our board, school board, this is a population of 200,000 people. Uh, talking to a bunch of people at a, like a risen desk, everybody in fancy suits and, uh, uh, you know, very dressed very professionally with a bunch of adults and reporters in the room. And so imagine yourself being a student going into this room like this to go, uh, you have three minutes, nobody can respond to you uh, because that's just the way the rules are. And you have to give this public speech that's on public television. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you know, that's high pressure, especially for a young person. Um, and so something that I've always tried to do is reinforce, uh, positivity into people and show them that what they're doing matters and that they're listened to. And while I can't respond during that three minutes, I always try to either during the board meeting sometime, like bring it back to what they said, thank them for it because I can't do it then. Or in between the board meetings, when we're in person, I go talk to them and or their parents and thank them for coming out and let them know that, you know, they're hurt. Uh, and what made me first realize the impact of this uh, and of just me being young was there's this girl, um, who came and spoke once and uh, I believe she was a senior and she was going, she was applying to OSU and a couple other colleges. She ended up going to OSU. Uh, and so just everyday things, you know, I just was talking to her and her mom. Uh, you know, I thanked them for coming out and during the meeting. She actually said something really profound and I just I brought it up during the meeting. I was like, thank you for, for bringing this up. And I, I appreciate your insight. And uh, what I didn't know, was afterwards in her application to OSU in her essay, she actually talked about how she wants to, when she graduates, come back to Salem Kaiser and run for school board. Uh, and uh, a teacher a couple months later, one of her teachers came back and told me this, um, that this happened. And that's, it just, it hit me hard because that's when I realized that me being in the world that I am, uh, at the time that we're in, you know, when young people are begging for a voice at the table, uh, the importance of that. And, um, you know, something that I would tell, you know, young people, <laughs> like anybody my age or younger, uh, 
is that all these people that we look up as, as leaders, we put them on pedestals and really none of us belong to pedestals. You know, we're all just humans and uh, you should feel really empowered. And the reason being is because nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> you know, uh, people pretend to, some people pretend more better than others. Um, but the more young people we have to get involved, the more young people see that. So it pays interest, right? So me being involved can help inspire one or two, one or two other people to also get and give a perspective that's unheard. We know which could inspire one or two more people. And so I, the thing I would say is just, you, and I would, I knew earlier, right? Was that most people don't know what they're doing, honestly, because <laughs> a, lot, a lot of us, we don't know all the answers. Otherwise it would already be solved, right? And so a lot of these big problems, we need more diverse insight. And that's good. That takes new people to step up and do it. Worst case scenario, you're back where you're at, you know? So um, I think the important thing is to think about the impact you could have as opposed to uh, the possibility of failure. Yeah. It's that humility um, component of our rooted leadership framework that comes to mind listening to you because even if people knew what they were doing, we don't know everything. And we have to accept the fact that we don't know everything. And we have to be willing to learn from, from others. And uh, I, I really appreciate your answer because I think we want people to have answers, but we should also create the space that allows people to come in and help us explore answers together. Because what they bring is perspective and you can't really put a, um, you know, a, you, you can't put a dollar value on that. Perspective is so important. And I think is what connects us together as human beings and what gives us uh, the opportunity to see each other as human beings, because that perspective is so incredibly valuable, even when we think we know everything, because that perspective causes us to reflect on what we know. And, and it gives value to others as they share their experience, their background, their story, uh, their worldview. And humility is really the essence of leadership. And what you described is, is really important. And I hope young people are listening and uh, they're, they're taking uh, a lesson from your experience and that they would be willing to put themselves out there because they bring a very important perspective that... Um, is is integral to our future quite frankly i mean because they are the future yeah i mean and i would just add i mean think about like <laughs> like me myself like i think of myself as pretty intelligent but you know we're nothing special we're just people and so uh you know kids who come out of school and aren't homeless and go through all that stuff you you're you most likely have a much better shot at getting into a position like this than i you know and so if i could do that then what's to stop anybody else? You know, I'm nothing special. I'm just a person. And so, um, I mean, <laughs> and I think you phrased it well, you know, um, I think but, but that it, yeah, it takes humility. It takes courage and, and it takes, um, a willingness to lead. So, um, I, I agree. And, and I think you raise a really important point and, and that is we all come from different backgrounds and some of us have not had to face the challenges that you have, for example, but we're not willing to lead. We're not willing to put ourselves out there. We're not willing to lend our perspective. So leadership, in my opinion, is also about courage and overcoming adversity to help others. 
we uh we're running short on time so we got to wrap up here soon but love this idea of perspective and it makes me go back to Jesse your um you know your elevator story cuz you know there's the perspective that that you have um it just in that moment you know in the corner uh, cur- curled up on on the ground and then there's the perspective of those that walk in and problems start to be solved and we start to be better when we start to understand the different perspectives in the room right um i think that there's there's a lot of power there um and uh you know you've uh i think you've been a great example today um on the show of of walking the walk um of uh you know being uh, your your authentic self and and i think a lot of times just not just as leaders but as people we we become inauthentic um in that we let ourselves respond too much to the world around us uh rather than us taking you know some reins there and and having an impact on it um and to me that's what authenticity is 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 uh is understanding that that life circumstances and the world is how it is but i get to choose you know the impact that i leave on it not the other way around and and you've been a great example of that uh today and and through the stories you've shared and the insight that you've shared um, so uh, unfortunately we gotta, we gotta wrap up, but, uh, we, we like to end with, you know, kind of a general fun sort of leadership question and just to hear, you know, the insight that, that, uh, folks can share. And one of them that we often ask is who's been someone in your life that has left a major impact, um, for good. And, and I'm confident you've probably mentioned one, one or two of these people in some of your stories, but. Who is that that person that has, you know, had a deep impact on you for the better and, and why? Yeah, I mean, there's, oh man, I just don't even want to start. There's so many people who have had, you know, a really good impact on my life. You know, like I would, you know, uh, both of you, honestly. <laughs> so I'm um, Chris and I would say, uh, you know, Larry Tukarski, uh I'm sorry, J- Jason Tarf, Jason Tukarski, uh, you know, and Larry by providing a lot of these programs. Um, uh, Dick with Nell for being a mentor to me, my coaches, a lot of my teachers were instrumental in getting me across the graduation line, as well as just still being friends and mentors to me now. Uh, but I would say the biggest uh, and most impactful to me is my dad, uh, my birth father. Uh, I might, the fun fact is I'm actually just a peel in the third. Um, and, uh, you know, he's shown me that um, what you can do with what we have of life, you know, cause you only have so much life available to you and, uh, it is what you make it. I mean, he works harder than anybody I know. He's the most honest man that I know. And he fights continuously every single day to provide for my family, uh, and my siblings and give them a better life than he had, you know, and a better life than, uh, anybody, any of our ancestors have, you know? Uh, and yet at the same time, he has to wear this scarlet letter of being a felon, you know, for his life, you know, which makes it hard to get jobs. You know, it makes it, people judge you, you know, people judge you based off of the fact that, uh, you know, you don't have a formal education, you know, people judge you off of, uh, off the fact that you have dirty hands or something, you know, when in reality, you know, he works construction, you know, and he works, busts his butt off every single day, breaking his back to provide for my family. And, um, you know, he teaches me a lot, you know, he teaches me the importance of us, uh, in my culture, you know, and, uh, so when it comes to me knowing better who I am, you know, and who our family is or their our blood, our ancestors and the stories that come along with that, 
when it comes to, uh, you know, working hard, <laughs> you know, he's, he's the hardest worker I know. <laughs> and so, you know, I strive to be, uh, to work that hard and make a difference in the world. Like, like he wants to do. And yeah, I would say my, my dad. Awesome. Appreciate you sharing. Um, I share the same feelings of, uh, who I look up to in my, in my father. So for a lot of the same reasons, um, that you shared of things you admire about your dad. Um, well, before we wrap up, any last thoughts, uh, Salam? Well, I, um, I really appreciated the time together and I just, I just commend you for the person that you are, uh, Jesse, I, I commend you for your authenticity, for your courage, um, resilience and your willingness to engage to to make other people's lives better and to make the community in which you live and we all live better and i think those are really important lessons for people that are listening that no matter what adversities you face um you yourself uh and and through the help of others you talked a lot about your mentors and people that helped you along the way um, is a good reminder that we're not alone. You know, we are, we are really not alone. And that underscores the importance of seeing people and deeply seeing people as part of the rooted leadership framework, because those were the first steps for you to come on, to come out of, to come out of um, the environment that you were in because people saw you. And I think you know, reflecting on the on this, I think you also saw them as people, you know, despite all of the challenges and the adversity and the hardship that you were going through, you saw them still as people and they saw you uh, as people. And uh, I think that is always uh, refreshing, in my opinion, because seeing people is really the first step towards that transformation, whether it's at an individual level, organizational level, or a community level. So I really appreciated the conversation today. And I really appreciated uh, you, Chris, uh, putting it in this context of walking the walk. You know, um, it, it's, uh, it, it, it is an important element. And I think it's a call uh, to action for leaders as, as we, you know, um, we have to follow through yeah, and we have to deliver on not just our promises, but also our potential. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Salam, you remind me, I often ask a question to leaders and those listening. Um, and today, it, you know, it just fits, you know, what uh, those any, whether you're a leader or non, non-leader listening, um, I leave you with the question of, you know, what do you need to do in order to better walk the walk in your, in your life and in your relationships? Um, you know, ask yourself that, uh, in the morning when, when you wake up and, and in your interactions, and I am confident that it will, it will, um, invite you to, to do things differently and to see things differently. I know it will for me. So, um, thank you. Salam as always being our, our reliable and, and, um, wise, uh, co co-host, uh, I, I, don't know what I'd do without you. And so appreciate you. And, uh, I got you, Chris. Thank you. And Jesse, thanks so much, man, for being our, our guest. Thanks for being, uh, uh, a great, uh, alumni to groundwork. I know that you're going to continue to make, um, you know, 
our leadership institute uh, proud, if I can say that right. You you are um, going to continue to be the essence of why we're doing this um, uh, and why we started this institute in the first place. So just appreciate you um, as a person and as a member of our community and as a friend. So thanks for joining us, man. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, Groundwork's been, I've grown so much this past year, you know, and uh, just the knowledge, the experience and the ability to have uh, you know, a mentor working with you one-on-one is something that you couldn't, you couldn't pay for that. Like that's the, the knowledge and the experience of, uh, of this, of the groundwork is, uh, is priceless. And so thank you so much. I, I mean, I've, I just feel blessed. So thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Well, um, uh, you've, you've been fed today, uh, you know, real authentic, uh, words of, of wisdom and, and of life and so um for all listeners out there hope you've enjoyed this episode um and that does it for today so be safe out there and take care until